never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that's pretty sure Gotham City would have less villains if they would just put covers on those vats of chemicals. <laughs> my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. That, that, oh, was, that was a good one, I have to admit. <laughs> what? That was a pretty good opening joke, I have to admit. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so how are you? How's your week been? <laughs> Uh, it's, I've been pretty good. Uh, it's been a pretty busy week. Um, we're hosting uh, my wife's family for Thanksgiving at our house. So we've been doing a lot of house prep, like getting a jump start on that. So uh, that's been unfortunately taking up a lot of my time, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, how about you? Uh, you do anything fun this week or anything like that? No, it's been a week. <laughs> yeah. My- I don't know if I mentioned it, but my kid made high school basketball, and instead of, like, having, like, a parent, like, it's awesome, right? Good for him. Um, He would hated high school golf, and with golf, the season started, and they said, we're going to have a parent meeting to kind of run down the schedule and how things are going to work. Cool. He made the team, and they said, here's your practice schedule, and you're you're literally your whole life flipped upside down, and you're like, well, this is my life now, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been a little... uh, um, hectic is a word I could use, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's just been a crazy week. So that being said, I haven't watched a lot of stuff in the realm of me wanting to watch a lot of stuff. However, in the midst of the strike, like, so we had the actors and the writers and actors strike going on, which very limited news. Like we had news and we had stuff to talk about, but it limited news. The strike ended, and instead of me watching stuff, I had to play catch up because we got smacked in the face with news. Yeah, exactly. So there's a ton of stuff to discuss tonight, and just things are just popping all over the place. So (laughs) I've done my best to grab stuff that I think need to discuss because there's going to be so much time to play catch up and everything. But everyone's like, oh, I can talk about stuff now. Verbal diary, verbal diary, verbal diary. So... (laughs) Well, I, I noticed um, that's what I was going to say is I didn't really watch much this week, but uh, except for some of there's a couple big trailers that came out. And um, yeah, there was another thing that kind of just happened that I think is kind of excited that I wanted to mention. But uh, yeah, I didn't know if I should jump into uh, jump that right stuff in, or jump right okay. in. Let's not waste any more time. <laughs> So I won't bury the lead, um, but Drew, I don't know if you remember, I feel like this was over a year ago, maybe almost like two years ago, I mentioned a trailer that dropped for this movie called ZombieCon. Uh, Do you remember this at all? This is a long time ago. I remember you discussing it, yes. Okay, so ZombieCon is an 
independent horror film, and it's basically about a group of friends who are at an anime convention when the zombie apocalypse strikes. <laughs> so it is a zombie horror survival movie that takes place at a uh, anime convention. Mm-hmm. And uh, on paper, this movie seems amazing. I'm like, it's combining everything that I love <laughs> all into one movie. I have no idea how I stumbled upon this project online, but I've been following it for like years now. Like we're talking like pre pandemic. I've been following this movie and I'm like, I check their uh, Instagram page like quite frequently too, just because I want an update because the thing is the movie is as far as I know, it has filmed. It has had some select like small screenings, but I don't know anything about it being distributed. I don't know if it's going to ever be on video on demand. And it's kind of this thing that I've been watching from afar. And I'm like, I want to watch this movie so bad. And I just never get an update, you know? So Mm -hmm. today on Instagram, they actually made a couple posts. And apparently um, LA Comic-Con is going on within a few weeks. Like, I think it's like the first weekend of December is LA Comic-Con. And uh, apparently ZombieCon is going to have a uh, screening there. So they're they're branding it their world premiere where, like I said, they've had a couple select small screenings. So I don't know if it's like their true, true premiere. But in my opinion, this is good news because I've been like so closely following this project. And I feel like, okay, there's screenings again. And it makes me hopeful that they're going to have announcements about distribution and or VOD. But I'm stoked to finally see some news about this thing. So I kind of wanted that to plug that. Like, this is like this indie movie that I feel like nobody knows about, but it looks so awesome. So I kind of just wanted to mention that. So if anybody is at LA Comic-Con or if if they're just uh, interested in the zombie con movie, like definitely check it out. Um, But yeah, other than that, um, I just watched trailers this week. (laughs) So I don't know if I should jump into that. (laughs) Um, Well, how about this? Before you jump in the trailers, because you and I probably watched a lot of the same trailers. um, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of new stuff because I've been trying to keep up on news because, like I said, we're getting slapped in the face with it. Um, But I did check out more of that show upload that I was telling you about. All right. right. How's that? It's phenomenal like it's getting so good like there's a mystery starting to evolve in it that you'd like was there but you're just like okay but it it was all like i'm not sure what this whole thing is but it's starting to build into like this mystery conspiracy thing but it continues to be really funny and really charming but it dives into this like internet subculture like if you paid attention to the internet at all in your lifetime there's going to be things you're going to laugh at And because this is clearly like somewhat set in the future, there's a scene where uh, the girl is talking to the one of the main characters is talking to a friend of hers that works for AT&T and T. Which is three T's, which is hilarious, like just because the company got bigger or whatever the case may be. So it's AT&T and T. And um, the uh, and then there's other little things that, you know, like the guy's in a grocery store, you know, he's in a Walgreens. He gets this phone call um from a girl and he's like yeah i'm on my way and as he's like in the store there's this scanner that goes your condom size is medium (laughs) he gets this like look from this girl down the aisle and he's like uh i guess i'll take the large and he grabs the wrong box and you hear condom size dispute in aisle four (laughs) (laughs) like 
re- really <laughs> funny things like that in the realm of like future with technology and all that stuff and like discussing the afterlife because of people getting like digitally uploaded into this virtual world and everything. Um, but when you look at like the internet related side of things and the internet subculture and the jokes that they make, you're going to die. It's fantastic. It's so cool. Um, I really, really recommend this. This is on Amazon, so check it out. But this is me like diving into like, what is this like subculture, like stuff that I've never, I've just skipped over with in terms of streaming series. So check this show out. It's really good. Um, that's awesome. The other thing that dropped, um, literally like. We knew it was coming, but it kind of dropped, I think, unannounced, like, hey, it's suddenly here, is the Dungeons and Dragons channel. Um, and it's running on Freebie, which is a subsidiary of Amazon. So if you go into your Amazon link and you just look up Dungeons and Dragons channel, it's like right there. Or you can go on the Freebie app and just type in Dungeons and Dragons and it's right there. Um what it is, is it's a bunch of shows about Dungeons and Dragons. So some of them is live screen, uh, live play. So it's like them sitting down and actually playing, but it's a couple different shows with different actors. And a lot of celebrities are involved in this. Um, so it's worth checking out for just some of this stuff. Then they have a Dungeons and Dragons cooking show, because if you didn't know, there's been two... Dungeons and Dragons cookbooks that have released from people like creating recipes out of food that exists in game. So there's like two cooking shows. So they have a cooking, there's like two cookbooks. So they have this like cooking show based on Dungeons and Dragons cuisine. (laughs) Um, And if you remember the cartoon, the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon that for some of us was on Saturday morning cartoons for me, that was my first foray into Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't even know it was a game. I just thought it was a cartoon on Saturday mornings. That the entirety of that show is running on this Dungeons and Dragons channel. That's so great. <laughs> there's a bunch of content, but it kind of dropped. And in the world of nerd news, like seriously, check that out. So, <laughs> so I I, I toyed with it a little bit today, but you know. When you say channel. Is it like literally just like a constant live stream of a bunch of their programs or is it more of a like traditional app where you can scroll through things and then pick like which show you want to watch and stuff like that? It's a literal channel. Okay, then. (laughs) So when you so I went to I went I I loaded it up on Freebie and it is exactly what I said. And then I loaded it up on Amazon because I was curious the difference. And ultimately what it is in my Amazon, it shows up in my continue watching category and it tells me what's on at the moment. It says live now, continue watching question mark <laughs> or and then it, and then it also says up next and then it has tells you what's next. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> so my thoughts on this are my wife is going to get so annoyed with me watching this. <laughs> So that's hilarious. But uh, no, it sounds really cool. It sounds like a good thing to tune into, like really intently. But it also sounds like something cool to just have in the background. Um, There's something to just live television, just streaming in the background for you instead of you having to go to an app and select which show you want to watch. There's something to that sort of uh, background noise, you know, and if the background noise is all about Dungeons and Dragons, that just makes it that. (laughs) cooler you know (laughs) right right and i'm totally with you there so i mean it's i don't know it's pretty cool 
Um, it sounds like not to keep going on and on, but it sounds like something that we want to support. So they keep doing and something that yes. if enough people tune in, the budgets are just going to get bigger and the shows are going to get better. So yeah, seriously, everybody check it out. I'm definitely going to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that being said, um, that kind of brings me to the end of my new stuff to watch and read, but, um, we had to move into the news. Cause like I said, we're getting slapped in the face. It's a lot of stuff. Um, so let me see here. How far back do I got to scroll? Cause it's been, it's been a minute. Yeah. All right. So how about this? Let's talk about a couple trailers. What trailers did you watch this week? So, um, for me, there was like two big ones, um, that I was pretty interested in. Um, there's one that came out that I actually don't have a ton to say about it. Um, and that's the, uh, Avatar, the last airbender trailer yeah. okay. for the live action Netflix show. You know, okay, let me, I'm going to not stop you, but let me jump in real quick. So I watched this trailer as well. It's okay. beautiful looking. Yes. It really is, but it's not too, it's not very, like, the trailer, okay, the movie, the television show, whatever, might definitely be better, but it didn't look too physically different from the M. Night Shyamalan one. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that so, was my underwhelming takeaway. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, it doesn't physically look too much different, but it looks gorgeous. Now you're opening a rabbit hole. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the thing about the M. Night Shyamalan movie is he took like a full season of an animated series and condensed it down to a two hour film. So okay. obviously, obviously they're going to simplify stuff. They're going to take things out. They're going to change some story beats here and there. It's okay. Like the it's like the Whedon cut. I know. Yes. The thing is, the problem with the Shyamalan movie, or my biggest problem with it, wasn't that they oversimplified things, wasn't that certain things had to be cut. My biggest issue is the characters, like all the core characters, weren't really portrayed the way that I thought they should be. Like you have a character like uh, Saka, who is like kind of like the goofy sidekick guy of the group. Like he's really funny. He's really mm -hmm. clumsy. Like he can kick some ass when he has to, but he was, he's kind of this lovable, clumsy guy. And the movie turned him into this really sleek, really smooth, like not funny guy. <laughs> and it was like kind of that with each character. Like you have the character Ang, or as the movie called him, Ang, which is completely different than how the animated series pronounced his name. But that character, like he was super serious the whole time. Like the kid was just really serious. He had a really dry delivery of everything and if you watch the actual cartoon ang is laughing he's smiling he's having fun with his powers and he's having fun on the adventure that they're on even though at certain moments he you know he has to be serious and that was my biggest problem with the m night Shyamalan movie besides all the other complaints people have the characters all just seemed off like they none of them seemed like they're lovable cartoon counterparts yeah with that all being said the m night Shyamalan movie did look really good like all the characters looked 
spot on how they were supposed to be. Most of the visual elements did look a lot like they should be represented. And I think that's why this Netflix trailer looks a lot like how everything from the M. Night movie does, because a lot of it just looks spot on just like the cartoon. Like there is literally a screenshot from this trailer. And Drew, you, you'll probably remember it, but there's this one screenshot that is kind of like, it starts at the ground and the camera slowly pans upwards. And there's this like big, beautiful, like fantasy city that's on like the side of a mountain in front of you. Yeah. That is like a direct screenshot from the animated series. And it looks like spot on exactly how that city is supposed to be. All the characters look spot on how they're supposed to look. And that's my biggest takeaway with this thing, because the trailer didn't really show a lot of story. It had like some little bits of dialogue. It had kind of it was kind of more of a musical montage that showed some action parts, showed some of the imagery didn't really give a lot of the story away, which is okay. And that's why what I'm kind of left with is everything looks really good. Like the aesthetics, the appearance looks amazing. (laughs) My only bit of worry, though, is that when the M. Night Shyamalan trailer dropped, I thought that looked really good, too. (laughs) So it's still one of those things where, like, yes, everything looks great. But just don't screw this up, Netflix. Like, well, definitely try to deliver on this. You know what I mean? So here's the thing. From what I watched, and I never finished Cowboy Bebop, but it literally felt like Cowboy Bebop. Like, they they took the anime and made it live action, and I thought it was pretty solid from what I saw of it. And then I heard they got, they got canceled, and then whatever. Yeah. Um, then they do the live action One Piece, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. So track record is maybe they learned some mistakes did one piece right and are like all right so we learned from one piece what can we do with you know airbender you know so in the term of them creating these animated live action projects you know i'm being cautiously optimistic on this one yeah and that's kind of where i'm at as well um with One Piece, like, I still haven't watched it because I'm a loser. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, I still haven't watched it. And uh, But from everything I've heard is the special effects are, like, really great. And I swear there's parts of that new Avatar trailer that just dropped that I feel like some of those CG shots and stuff look better than some MCU movies and stuff. And it's really crazy that I feel like Netflix is in this place where it's delivering, at least on the visuals, it seems to be really, they really seem to be delivering on it. So I don't know, interesting stuff. And this is something that uh, we're really just going to have to see the show to know if it's going to be good or not. um, Did you have any other like comments on that or anything? Not, Not really. It was more of a, it looks cool. That's right. kind of where I could sit with it because we were burned by the M night movie that I was really like, well, it looks good. And that's all I can look at right now. What's funny about that is um, that whole, like it looks good comment is kind of about all that I was going to say, but I think you got me on a little bit of a M night Shyamalan tangent, but okay. <laughs> it's what it is. It's all good. <laughs> Oh. Um, what about Madam Web? Did you watch that trailer? Yes, I watched this one too. All right, I watched this a couple times. Um, 
So I am not as versed in Madam Web as I feel I should be, to be completely honest. But I know who she is, and I know the characters surrounding her and all that stuff. Um, Madam Web, to, and I believe, is always depicted much older than Dakota Johnson. I have nothing wrong with Dakota Johnson. I actually think she's a phenomenal actress, and I'm really kind of excited to see this. Um, yeah. In the world of the Spider-Verse, we're getting a lot more spiders, aren't we? <laughs> um oh. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting a lot more. You know, we got Spider-Woman. It looks like possibly Spider-Girl. It looks like maybe Silk. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so it looks like they got a lot going on there. And it was really cool to see uh, the best glimpse. I know we got that one with the multiple spider legs. But we don't. I'm not really sure which character that was. But seeing Sydney Sweeney in that close-up, clearly Spider-Woman costume. Right. Uh, great. Um so, yeah, I don't know. I think the movie looks like a lot of fun, and it's nice to see them growing said Spider-Verse. And since Marvel has officially said everything is canon, you got to account for the Spider-Verse now, man. You get you can't ignore it. So, yeah, I think this looks cool, too. Um, I from what I saw, like, I thought everything looked cool. Like um, you mentioned, like S Sydney Sweeney, like the uh, Spider-Woman costume. I think that looks really good. A lot of people are complaining because she doesn't have like the white eye lenses. But to me, that's like a little bit of nitpicking. Like we know that movie superhero suits definitely are going to have their changes. But to me, the biggest drawback with this is uh, the villain being like visually so similar to just another Spider-Man. And the fact that, like you said, we're getting a lot more Spider-People, which is cool. But like in a world where we've had two Spider-Verse movies, we've had three reboots of Spider-Man. Te technically, <laughs> technically, we've had three Spider-Verse movies. Let's be honest. <laughs> but that's my point. And that's like yep. one of the reasons I haven't been super into the Spider-Man corner of the Marvel universe as far as comics goes for a couple of years at this point is because everything Spider-Man related to me always just looks like they're just throwing as many Spider-Man at the wall as they can. Like I can't remember the story arc, but there was the one where it was like a whole Island of Spider-Man. <laughs> it's all about like the Island of Spider-Man. And then you have like this whole like Venom verse thing where every character has to be a version of Venom and to me, there is a sense of like superhero comics and especially team superhero comics are exciting when all the characters have different powers and different mm -hmm. appearances and you see all those powers bounce off each other. So sometimes I think you can have too much of a good thing when everything is just spider, <laughs> spider people stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh, otherwise, I do think this movie looks really fun. Um, a lot of people, I'm seeing a lot of negative comments towards this movie, but I thought it looked really good. And a lot of people are saying, like, that the movie looks like a early 2000s superhero movie. Um, and I don't know if I agree with that. And I think it's just, like, tonally, because the movie definitely doesn't feel like the sort of mcu sort of like comedy action formula like it feels maybe more in line with maybe some of the older superhero movies you but know, i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing you know what i, I mean i think it has a look of morbius in right, right sense that the spider-verse films when you look at venom venom 2 morbius and now madam web it almost is like they have their own 
visual language that has been consistent since Venom 1. Right, right. You know, the it, the Snyderverse is a really good example where whether you like Zack Snyder or not, whether you like those movies or not, if you followed them from Man of Steel through Justice League uh, Snyder Cut, they all had the same visual language, which was wonderful for consistencies, even when they were changing director. When you look at the MCU, they all have the same visual language. And the same goes for the Spider-Verse films. They have their tonal language. If you look at the X-Men movies, they all have the same visual tone to the language. It's it's awesome. Um, right. So whether you like that or not, it's giving you a specific. And they're being consistent with it, and that's what you want. They want you to know that it's part of this specific corner of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm right on board with that. And I actually do think... Um, I do think this looks good, and I do think it looks like a, um, I don't know if I'm giving it too much credit saying it looks like a breath of fresh air, but it does look like a fun uh, departure from, like, uh, some of the Marvel movies and stuff that are going on. Just because I feel like lately everything's been so MCU heavy with all their movies and shows, and it looks, I, I like seeing other, you know, other branches of the Marvel universe come to life and, you sure. know more DC projects and stuff like that. So. Well, since you said that, that's a really great segue to the change in the Marvel schedule. Um, right. Because Marvel has just hit us real hard with news. That's why I was like, we're getting slapped in the face and they just need to chill out. Um, so we're going to, I'm going to be on Marvel for a minute. So heavily, heavily reshifted the entire schedule. Um, we're going to get to the controversy of the Kang dynasty here in a moment, but um, heavily shifting the schedule to the next Marvel films to release are going to be in the following order. Deadpool 3, Thunderbolts, Captain America 4, and Blade. In that <laughs> Okay? Which is awesome. So from what we originally saw at that fateful Comic-Con where they're like, this is Phase 5, this is Phase 6, it like all of that has been completely chopped and removed and shuffled around, and the next four Marvel films will be Deadpool 3, Thunderbolts, Captain America, Blade. And those are MCU titles. I say that MCU titles because Deadpool will be the only Marvel film releasing, the only MCU title releasing in 2024. Um, okay. Which, in my opinion, is a little bonkers, but it's the only one releasing in 2024. That being said, the Marvel films that we're getting in 2024 are Madam Web which is a Sony Spider-Verse film, Deadpool 3, Craven the Hunter, another Spider-Verse film, and Venom 3, which is a Spider-Verse film. Wow, okay. Okay, so next year, and we're almost to the end of this year, but next year we have Madam Web, Craven, and Venom, which is all Spider-Verse, and then we have Deadpool 3, which is MCU. So I just think that's an interesting shuffle of the deck, if you will. Um. Next in line, um, that being said, Venom 3, um, like I said, is uh, November 8th of 2024. They definitely gave us a release date there, which I thought was great. Um, where else am I? Hold on a second. Uh, here we go. Um, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Marvel president, uh, confirms an upcoming MCU project spearheaded by Scarlett Johansson is still in the works. Now, we all remember after Black Widow died... And it was like the original six Avengers are done after Endgame. Um, 
Scarlett Johansson being done after the Black Widow movie, there was rumors about her working on a Marvel project that was not Black Widow related, but it was this top secret project. Kevin Feige is confirming that it's still happening. We still just don't know what it is. Okay, then. (laughs) Yeah. So it's nice to know that's still happening. Um, What's not happening is Kevin Feige confirms that his Star Wars movie is no longer happening. Um, Saw this. And, well, in the realm of Star Wars shuffling around, we've had Star Wars movies come and go so fast that it's like, what are we actually getting? And Star Wars, aside from their television, I think has been kind of quiet as in terms of their movies. But there was that rumored Kevin Feige film, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's officially not happening. That's fine. I We still don't know what the Star Wars plan is right now. I, I still feel like the last Star Wars celebration, they gave us a big rundown of what we're getting. And I'm still kind of like, is it happening or is it not? You know what I mean? That's the sad state of things with Star Wars right now, because I feel like that's been happening a lot as they've announced so many things. And then uh, just like this Kevin Feige thing, because I did see stories about this and I totally forgot that he was even working or supposed to be doing a Star Wars film eventually. And I feel like they've announced so many things and then it's almost like they just want to let people forget about it. And then you see... Every once in a while, you'll see like an update on either the Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie or uh, other directors. And you kind of wonder, like, well, is that still happening? <laughs> or is it just going to like slowly just fade off into the memory hole? And uh, mm-hmm. if anything, I I'm a little bit frustrated because I feel like uh, like Disney and Lucasfilm is like announcing these big Star Wars projects and i feel like they're announcing things too early and i don't know if it's like they just announce stuff to drum up hype and then it ends up not getting made um it's just kind of a weird situation i don't know what your thoughts are on that i think my personal opinion is that this is really great quote and i could be very wrong but there's this great interview with george lucas where he was talking about how studio heads and and uh studio executives don't actually like movies. They don't actually know what a movie is. They've never actually seen one. They know what's making them they know what's making them money and they're reaching out to focus groups and test audiences to tell them what's good and they're greenlighting projects without actually knowing. Where in his opinion a real filmmaker has an idea and he's in a creative work of art and go with it. Now Whether you like or dislike Star Wars, if you look at all of the George Lucas projects, they're all funded by an artist to create this thing. And he didn't care about focus groups. He didn't care about test audiences. He goes, I'm going to make this thing because I'm trying to tell a story and show my art. Whether it be Star Wars or Willow or Indiana Jones, George Lucas was telling his he was showing you his art and his ideas and his focus and all that stuff. He 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 didn't want to work with studios because of what he just said. And he became the most successful independent filmmaker. So when you think about that, I think that unfortunately there are studios. and I think Marvel is falling into the trap of it. And I know Lucasfilm has, I think, a little bit under the Disney banner is that they're making these movies based on focus groups. They have an idea, so they focus group it, 
and then they green light a project and then it falls apart because they didn't actually go in with a real plan. That's my personal opinion and I could be very wrong. That being said, I want to see all these stories, so bring them, <laughs> you know. Um, right, it's, yeah, there's so much to go off there, but it's also hard to add to because I think you summed everything up, but it is that sort of like, you know, these studios are setting up movies by committee where it's like, you know, they have they have their uh, focus group, focus testing, you know, they're honing in all the all that sort of stuff. They've got their list of trending topics and things that they need to uh, touch on in the movie. And it's one of those things where once all these stipulations are made and you have a director who's actually making the film, you start to wonder, like, how much of this is actually a director's creative vision and how much of it is just the director going through the motions because everything is set up from focus groups and committees and stuff like that. And it's it's really sad to see, like when you start to notice that stuff kind of happen with like big franchises like the MCU and Star Wars, because, you know, we love these characters so much. But I think with everything you just said, I just love pointing out like how you did about how uh, George Lucas, like it's really easy to forget, but he did work so hard to have control over his brand, have control over his story of Star Wars, and uh, basically just make the prequel trilogy from the ground up. Like those were his independent movies. They, and like you said, the most successful, like biggest indie filmmaker of all time. And uh, I had so many friends back in the day who didn't like the uh, prequel trilogy, and they would kind of talk crap about George Lucas. And I'm like, Dude, regardless of what you think about the movies, he's the coolest person ever because what he was able to do with his art and his story. And uh, that's just I, I, I always find that stuff like super inspiring, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is great. And I know we're going on a George Lewis tangent for a minute, but this is great quote that I found of his. I'd have to pull it up and I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately, but it's basically the. I'm right and they're wrong and I'm willing to die with the ship to prove. <laughs> and yeah. that's what you, and then it's basically a, that's what you have to go through with your art to actually do it correctly. And I think more filmmakers as opposed to signing onto a project need to approach it on that level. And, but then that also comes down to the argument of originality stories and stuff, because you're signing onto a Marvel project. It's not yours. George Lucas creating star Wars. It's his. James Cameron creating Avatar, it's his. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Like, it's just, you know. Anyway. In the, uh, just to throw one more uh, hat into the ring, uh, Todd McFarlane is a big inspiration for me as far as, like, the comic side of things go, because okay. he's the only image, like, original image creator who didn't go back to Marvel or DC at any point. And yeah. uh, I always thought he was, like, just such a cool personality in the world of, like, independent creations, like, he went to Image, he created Spawn, he did his own thing, he created his own comics empire and his whole, his own toy empire, and he's like, screw the big two, I don't need them, like, I'm just gonna, <laughs> you know, make my own right. magic over here, and I always think that stuff's awesome, so. Right, well, let's try and speed this up, because there's a lot, and we're gonna be, this is gonna be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Kang controversy. The director of Marvel, the event, Marvel's Avengers Kang Dynasty, no longer attached to project. He's left. Right. And we talked last week about how they're potentially shifting from Kang to Dr. Doom. Right. 
Okay. Marvel Studios is reportedly abandoning the Jonathan Majors Kang storyline altogether. Uh, All right. Which is nuts. So where we where we might not even get that Avengers film, and in the realm of restructuring, and we get Deadpool, Thunderbolts, um, leading up to Blade. What was the other one? Uh, Captain America, Blade. We might not even get any more Kang post Loki two, Loki season two. So I'm I, it's kind of interesting to see how or what's going to happen with that. But in the realm of shaking up, that's what's going on over the Marvel world. Um, apparently, and I haven't watched it yet, but the Marvels heavily sets up Secret Wars, and apparently so does Loki season two. So I have to get do some catching up. Um, there is Fantastic Four news in this as well. So Fantastic Four, the director says his work on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia helped forge his take on Marvel's first family. That's so funny. Um, I agree. However, where'd the Russo brothers come from? They came from the the sitcom community. Yeah. So I as much as I was like, OK, I got to take this with a grain of salt. What do you mean by that? The Russo brothers learned a lot from community before they went and did some of the best Marvel films ever. And I will argue that the Russo brothers films are the best of the Marvel films. So that yeah. being said, um, I think Taika Waititi is a good example of that, too, because he like he had his own indie films and stuff, but he did uh, a lot of the uh, Flight of the Concords episodes, too. Like he directed those and he was kind of like a television director guy who went on to do like these big MCU movies. The funniest part of it, though, is like the idea (laughs) when you compare It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia to uh, the Fantastic Four, like, I get that there's, like, a co- comedic dynamic, especially with both <laughs> both series having four characters they focus on, and uh, it's also weird that it's three guys and one girl in both of them, but as far as <laughs> subject matter, I can't think of something further from Fantastic Four than It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so that's right. pretty hilarious. <laughs> Um, and that's why I responded in my mind the way I did. And then I was like, well, hold on a second. Um, <laughs> speaking of Fantastic Four, it looks like we have found our Reed Richards and it looks like it'll officially be Pedro Pascal. Uh, the Mandalorian himself will be Reed Richards. I never would have guessed Pedro Pascal, but I also don't have a problem with it. I know the Internet seems question is questioning it right now and they're arguing the John Krasinski thing. But at the same time, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. He's yeah. he's a great actor. Like he I've is. liked him and everything I've seen him in. Um, it's just it's so hard to picture him in that role, you know. And yeah. so I could be proven wrong. I just I I can't picture it. And I think that's why everybody's up in arms about this. So right. Well, on that note, uh, Vanessa Kirby is rumored to be cast as Sue Storm. Um, again, I think Vanessa Kirby is a fantastic actress. I don't have anything problem with her. But we talked about this a while ago about how she was rumored to be in talks to play Sue Storm. And now I'm seeing this. She's rumored to be Sue Storm, which says to me the Internet has jumped the gun and 
Um, it's no longer a rumor and it's actually fact, but we'll probably find out as soon as we close the microphones that Seuss, that that is Vanessa Kirby. <laughs> I'd be willing to put money on it at this point that Vanessa Kirby is Sue Storm, but I'm totally down. Um, no casting on Johnny Storm or Ben Grimm, but there is uh, Marvel's Fantastic Four is reportedly eyeing Javier Bardem for Galactus. <laughs> um, oh, that's actually awesome casting. That is awesome casting, and I think this is cool. Um, he will probably be in the same vein as uh, Josh Brolin was for Thanos, but I'm down for Javier Bardem for uh, Galactus. That sounds great. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think he would be awesome. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's going on in the realm of Fantastic Four. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, the writers of Harold and Kumar confirm the fourth installment is on the way. So <laughs> we uh, we shouldn't wait too much longer for that. Um, <laughs> so what this is, what this is to me is it's kind of like how in the 90s or early 2000s, I bet nobody would have thought that Kevin Smith would still be making Jay and Silent Bob movies. And this is a similar situation. I just don't know if Harold and Kumar has the same level of a fan base. <laughs> But either way, I'm down. I'll probably watch it when it comes out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay, where are we at? Um, Frozen. Bob Iger has said that Frozen 4 is officially in development alongside Frozen 3. Oh, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> the, what's funny is, is that the alongside Frozen 3 is the second part of the story. It's Bob Iger said Frozen 4 is in development, and we're all like, how many did we have already? One, two, there's only been two movies. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Where I thought it was a typo until I started reading more. So they're both in development at the same time. So we're getting some more Frozen. Yay. <laughs> no, maybe they'll be really good. Um, I just, it just sounded like we were just talking about movies by committee and stuff like that, and hearing that they're both in the works right now just made me kind of have that sort of reaction, you know? <laughs> Right. Um, let's see here. Uh, He-Man, Masters of the Universe, live action movie canceled at Netflix. We already talked about how that was going to happen. That was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But apparently it could move to Amazon. The Netflix de- With the Netflix deal canceled, Mattel is on the hunt for a new buyer for the Masters of the Universe live action movie. Reports... Recent reports from Variety indicate that Amazon MGM Studios is seriously interested, but not nothing is certain yet. All right, bring it over to Amazon, man. Like, Amazon, you got to remember something here. He-Man was the greatest, is probably, you know what, I don't want to say the greatest. I'm going to say top five best-selling toy lines in the history of toys. Okay. The success of that toy line with the success of the show on top of it back in the 80s makes it seem like it's a no-brainer for Amazon to pick up because why not? They're building this animation division with their critical role shows. They have Invincible. You know, they're trying to get they – ha- they apparently now have the rights to the uh, the new Bruce Timm animated show. They have this other animated um, Batman series come – it's like a Batman mini-movie like – uh, Batman and Little Wayne or something like that, which is like uh, Batman and Little Batman, um, which is like a <laughs> which is like a Christmas special thing that they got going on, which is clearly meant for children, not like 
it's not meant to be the hardcore adult animation that we know and love, but it seems to be more of like a kid's thing. Yeah. Um, so they're building this animation division, but you got to remember that Amazon is not in the TV game. They don't care. They make good stuff. They have some great shows that have won Emmys, but they're in the game of selling toilet paper and books and clothing and um, I need a foot massager or I ran out of coffee or I have to go to the Amazon store and get a gallon of milk on my way home or they're in the they're in a completely different business. And they're like, why not have a streaming service? Right. So it's a completely different ballgame for them. So this sounds to me like a no brainer. So I think it'd be cool. Let's see what happens. Um, it sounds exciting. I just think this movie needs to get made and it needs to be done well. <laughs> like you think of the kind of special effects we can do nowadays and the imagine and just imagining a new live action He-Man movie. Think but, of like as if as long as they do it right, as long as they stay close to the source material, some of that imagery would just be so amazing. So I just want it to get made and get made well, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, in the realm of getting made and getting made well, um, uh, USS Congressman is calling for the U.S. Department of Justice and the FTC to investigate Warner Brothers' discovery over its predatory practice of scrapping movies, including the John Cena Coyote versus Acme film, Batgirl, and a scrapped Scooby-Doo project, that these movies are, like, getting made and then completely shut down. Um, which I think is real interesting. So that's going to, there's not a lot for me to discuss on that one more than the fact that this came up. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to have a good time kind of tracking the story on this one. So what is the, like, what's the law that's being broken here though? That's the part I don't know. Oh, okay. The part where I don't know enough about that to really jump in and make it and make any type of commentary. But the issue is, is like, you know, spending, you know, money to do all this stuff and then scrapping the project and putting people out of work and so on and so on. So, yeah. And you never know how that uh, factors into uh, just how their taxes work and stuff like that. And it yeah. could be some weird loophole thing. But just <laughs> hearing it described at first, um, I'm just kind of like, well, what is the <laughs> what's the problem there? Like movies yeah. get scrapped all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Disney and Hulu, we talked a while back about Disney and Hulu combining to one single app. So Disney Plus and Hulu being one single app. There's a beta test coming in December. Bob Iger says the new unified Disney Plus Hulu app will launch by the spring of 2024, but a beta test app will come in as soon as December. The publication shared that the beta version of the Disney Plus Hulu app will launch in December, giving parents time to set up parental controls ahead of its official launch in the spring. Um, my big question is, how does this work with my bill? <laughs> I have no problem with it being one app. How does it work with my bill? Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, James Gunn tweeted, thanks to the efforts of our talented crew who never lost faith during the longest strikes in Hollywood history and who never let their foot off the pedal, continuing to barrel forward creating the most amazing character and set designs I've seen in my entire career. Superman Legacy will be making the original planned release date of July 11th, 2025. Um, nice. So Superman Legacy is officially on track for its original release date now that the strike is over. And that's awesome. 
So that's it sounds like 2025 is going to be a huge year for superhero movies. <laughs> it's it's going to be a huge year for everyone movies. It's going to be like a COVID reset year because um, the strike hindered this year completely. Absolutely. You know, but it's good to hear. But that's directly from James Gunn. And finally, last piece of news. Um, it was a week or so ago that I read the synopsis for um, the Deadpool three uh, plot synopsis. Yeah. yeah. Um, this there's another one that dropped, which is kind of in line with it, um, but it's a little more specific. So do you think it's OK to read or not? I'm down, okay. <laughs> but if okay. you don't want to, that's okay. No, I, I will read it, and we'll see how this goes. So, the events, spoilers, this is a plot synopsis for Deadpool 3, and it sounds very legitimate uh, to me, and it sounds like it works out, in my opinion. I still think we're getting Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, but here we go. The events of Deadpool 3 take place after the Loki Season 2 finale. The TVA got word that the Kangs are gathering and a new multiversal war is about to start. So they create an army of multiversal heroes, mostly from dying worlds, to fight the Council of Kangs. Mr. Paradox is replacing Mobius. Mobius was going to be in it for a while and still could have a cameo, but they decided to just leave him out of the story. He'll be back in the full in the Avengers films. And is trying to recruit Wolverine. Deadpool, who is a prisoner at the TVA after messing with time, hears about it and escape. His plan is to get Wolverine to come with him instead so they could become BFFs. Okay. This sounds totally legitimate. And if you think about what we talked about, about Marvel trying to bring back the original Avengers for the next Avengers film or whatever, this is literally a catalyst of... How'd I word it? So they create a multiversal army of heroes from mostly dying worlds. So let's go find the dying worlds and get all the major heroes back. Right on. Yeah. Just saying. I don't know. Um, but that's the last bit of news for now, because like I said, we're getting smacked in the face and there's a ton to discuss. So um, we'll have more later. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds great. <laughs> um and I kept I kept all this first part under an hour. Peter, would you like to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. Awesome. Everyone, we're going to uh, roll the thing and be right back. And now for the top five. All right, Peter. This was your list. Um, why don't you uh, explain it? Right. So um, last week we kind of did our top five favorite action movies from uh, the 80s and 90s, which was kind of a really good golden age for action movies. And uh, when it comes to action movies, I just realized there's an aspect that I really love that um, kind of luckily <laughs> we didn't really cover a lot last week. And that is about your like these really badass like female action heroes in various movies or comics or video games like they're really prevalent and uh, I remember a while back um, not super long but 
within the last year or so, I think it was, uh, Jennifer Lawrence was on some talk show and uh, she said something about how before the Hunger Games, there was no female action movie stars out there, which I love Jennifer Lawrence. She's a great, she's a great actress. She's awesome. I know she's listening. So hi, Jennifer. <laughs> but uh, it's funny because I got so much flack when she said that because everybody's like, well, does that mean the alien movies don't exist? And does that mean that like they people are listing tons of stuff, Resident Evil, Underworld, like all this stuff. And uh, I just thought it was a funny concept. But for some reason, I always just think it's cool when you have like a really badass woman who's like the lead of an action movie. Um I, I know in the 90s, like in the late 90s, there was actually a string of uh, comic books, um, kind of a official or unofficial genre name. People will give uh, these comics as like bad girl comics, but essentially it's just those it's those like late 90s comics where you had like this some badass female protagonist. Um, you know, we're talking about stuff like Danger Girl, like lady death and like all the chaos comics like stuff like that and then even if you go into like anime and video games there's always like that cool trope where it's like the badass girl who's like really small but she has a massive weapon like <laughs> that's like a whole other aspect of it but i just thought this was a fun topic and kind of it this is one of those character centric lists where we just kind of talk of our specific favorite characters within a certain niche but uh i thought this would be a cool comment or concept to cover um do you have any thoughts on this one drew did you have trouble with this list or what did you have fun putting this together first off let me say that if uh you want to combat what peter said jennifer lawrence we would love to have you on the show um <laughs> we know <laughs> i don't know you're disparaging i was just saying like it was oh, I don't think you were being disparaging at all, but I am like literally like Jennifer Lawrence. Come join us. We'd love to have you. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Me and her can have a debate. That sounds good. <laughs> there, are, there are so many things I want to ask you about just movies in general or your career or people you've worked with or like projects you want to work with or tell me about Hunger Games. Tell me about X-Men. Like I yeah. am all ears. Um, <laughs> the uh, But let's talk about some of the other independent projects. Let's talk about Silver Linings. Let's talk about Red Sparrow. Let's talk about Passengers like. You got a lot on your plate that I would love to sit and like digest. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the, um, you know, list alone. I found this list to be um, difficult in the sense that my brain went like there were names I wrote down for the short list. And then I went, ah, that's too cliche of a pick. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I just went through my head like that's too uh, much of a gimme pick. And then I was like, OK, but it's actually a good pick. I'm just overthinking it. So yeah. I, this took me like all week to complete, to be completely honest. That's, that's hilarious. My list came together super fast and uh, most of my picks are super cliche, but I think that's okay. But uh, no, that's actually really funny. So yeah, um, I do have two honorable mentions. Uh, uh, so do I, but, so do I, so. All right, so this is your pick. So I gotta go first. My first honorable mention isn't so much of a... It's the it's definitely an action movie. It's definitely an action book. Um, the character is not so much an action hero, but she's badass in her own right because she is a spy. And what she has to go through to achieve her goal in The Three Musketeers, and that's Lady De Winter. Um, Ooh, Rebecca, De Mor Rebecca De Mornay's character. I just felt she deserved the mention because you said I could dive into novels and literature and yeah. 
and stuff like that. And I was thinking a lot about novels because I read a lot because I feel like the comic book characters, I feel like are a little cliche for the list, but you, you can't do this list without talking about some comic book characters. And, um, I was like, I could go deep diving into books, but if I go too deep, there's going to be like, there's a lot of books I've read that you haven't. And there's a lot of books other people have read that we haven't. So how do we tackle that? So I went with a classic because I always thought her character was cool. Um, and to do what she had to do, I just thought she was a good pick for this list for the sake of an honorable mention, because she's not so much the action star, but she's definitely worth bringing up. So, okay, nice. Yeah, that, that's a good call. I uh, didn't see that one coming either, but uh, yeah, good stuff. I didn't stuff. think you would have, but anyway. <laughs> um, so my first pick, I did just say that most of my list is like super cliche picks. Uh, my, my first honorable mention I wanted to uh, bring up actually isn't very cliche at all, but uh, I went with the character Claire from the anime Claymore. Um, I've talked about this anime a lot in the past. It's really awesome. It's the story of um, this medieval fantasy world where you have uh, these demon monsters named Yoma that are kind of terrorizing the countryside. And uh, there's this group of sort of like physically enhanced um, female warriors um, uh, that are called claymores and they have these big claymore swords. And uh, a lot of people call them silver eyed witches because they have white hair and silver eyes and each one has like their own unique powers and stuff but it's one of those like badass series that you just watch and there's a lot of just really cool like medieval chicks fighting badass monsters and uh, it's one of my favorite animes but claire is kind of the main uh claymore chick that they focus on in the series and uh no she's just a really cool character and the series like I've said, it's just badass over overall. So I don't have too much else to say about this one, but it's just a really good, uh, really good series. So I just really wanted to mention her, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. And this is a series that like is on my list. And here's the thing. I've re- uh, there's a lot of anime out there that I have yet to devour. Not that I'm going to watch all of it, but I feel like in a world of looking for new content of stuff that I have not looked at i'm that i've been i feel like i've been opening the anime doors a little bit and uh claymore is on my list so um i will get to it i promise (laughs) good stuff i was gonna say don't open the anime doors too far or you might go places you don't want to (laughs) go but uh no no that's that's true you actually you actually cut out on my side of things for a little bit, but I pretty much got what you said, what uh, you were saying. And I do really think you would like this series a lot, Drew, uh, whenever you get the chance to finally watch it. And it is, it's only one season. Uh, it only lasted one season. So it's a quick watch, but uh, it's really good in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I guess that goes back to me. My next honorable mention is a little more mainstream and that's Black Widow. Um, nice. The fact that she doesn't make the, final cut is because my appreciation for the character i've always liked the character but my appreciation for the character didn't really cement until the avengers films like scarlett johansson's take on the character is really what drove me to be liking the character so much so that i have no problem saying she's probably my favorite avenger and i'm still bitter like just straight still angry that she died in endgame 
And I've talked about that before. Like, I just, no stage of grief at all. It's just, I went straight to anger and that was it. Like, why'd you do that? Um, so, uh, but I have dabbled with the comics. I have read through a bunch of those. Um, but I haven't, she hasn't been, I guess, in my life long enough for me to put her higher on the playing field, if you will. Wow. Okay. So that's the only reason she's not on the main list. Take your top five, but, uh. Definitely a good call. I'm just kind of surprised she's lower on your list, to be honest. Well, it's I was I had a real hard time with the actual top five when I was making the short list and reasons why and stuff. And you'll I think you're going to argue, well, hold on. Black Widow has been around just as long as some of the other ones. But in the realm of me reading comic books, I didn't gravitate towards Black Widow comics. She was always like a supporting character. She'd be in an Avengers book or she'd get a star in an X-Men comic. And you're just like, yeah, okay, she's there. And then I didn't really get to know the character until the movies, which from the films made me read some more of her comics. Do you know what I mean? Where I was like devouring all this other stuff on a heavy level prior to. Does that make sense? I guess. I don't know. I hope it makes sense. <laughs> hey, Andy, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Are you losing me? So my uh, headphones just started uh, messing up. Let me try something really quick. You might have to cut this out. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. Fix it in post. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Let, well, yeah, let me try. I've got another pair. That hopefully all right. I so while do. Peter's changing his headphones, I hope you listening at home can, like, appreciate what I'm trying to say. And I'm not – and I'm looking at it as, you know – I just felt that Black Widow is some character that I've I she's consistently growing in the realm of I'm I enjoy the character more and more and more. But, you know, and that's where I sit on it right now. And yeah, um, hopefully Peter's back in a moment because I can only advance so far. Peter, you back? I, I can, yeah, I can hear you. Um, sorry that I missed some of what you said. This, oh, no, uh, I was just trying to. Uh, vamp for the listeners and entertain the people while you fixed your headphones so you didn't really miss anything (laughs) i hope there wasn't too much dead air or anything this pair of headphones was kind of giving me crap the whole episode and then all of a sudden i just couldn't hear through them but um it, it was a super cheap pair so it was bound to happen eventually anyways um i could jump into my next honorable yeah go ahead okay cool so um yeah the next uh character i went with um i think she's pretty cliche but i actually went with uh celine from underworld uh this is kate beckinsale's character um and she's pretty prevalent prevalent through almost all the underworld movies but uh when it comes down to it i just always thought she was such a badass character um underworld you know is it a horror series is it an action series is it a sci-fi fantasy sort of thing I don't know. I think it's it's kind of an action horror. Like, it kind of blends genres. But uh, I think she, like, when you think of the 2000s, I think she is one of the biggest action heroines from that era. And there's just so many cool um, fight scenes in those movies. I think the aesthetics of those movies are really great. It kind, it kind of came out in this sort of, like, post-Matrix era where there was a lot of people with badass uh, guns and trench coats and uh, it was just awesomeness on screen all the time. Um, so yeah, yeah, just really good stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any, th- have any thoughts on this one, but uh, yeah, that was my next pick. So, uh, Well, my thoughts on this one are that was my first actual pick to discuss tonight was Celine from oh. Marvel. 
Um, I was, I love vampire lore. I love vampire movies and everything. Uh, when Underworld came out, I was so excited just for this movie because I remember seeing the poster and I'm like, what's this? Clearly, it's something vampires and werewolves. Then you see the trailer and you're like, I don't care what this is. This looks fantastic. I'm in. And it's just this great action horror. I don't even know. That's the best way of wording it. It's an action horror film. Um, But and Kate Beckinsale plays the lead and she's fantastic. And the action sequences are great. And like watching her kick vampire butt is awesome. I say that because she kind of fights both fronts. But. It's just so much fun. And uh, the first two movies are, in my opinion, phenomenal. Um, The first two, Underworld and Underworld Revolution, are, not Revolution, Evolution, are fantastic. After the second film is where I think they took the franchise and went a little downhill. I did not like um, the third one, Rise of the Lycans. I didn't think it was that good. Uh, Not that I didn't like the movie. I just, it it felt like a departure. I guess, from what I was expecting it to be. And then, yeah. Oh, keep going, keep going. And then I was going to say, and then the later ones, uh, Bloodline and Afterlife. Those are the next two, right? My complaint with those is that they focus so much on the action, they didn't give us the story to the degree that the first, the original two films did. Um, that's just my thought on that. So. Interesting. So I think um, I kind of agree with you where uh, Rise of the Lycans is kind of where the series lost me. And I felt that movie missed the mark a little bit. But I also do think it's incredible after seeing Rise of the Lycans and going back and uh, watching the first Underworld film, all that stuff, like all those events from Rise of the Lycans are in place in the first film. Like they even have like flashback scenes with um I'm pretty sure like some of the same actors were even prevalent and stuff in there. And it's kind of cool to know that um, they kind of I think it's like Kevin Grievous was kind of the main mastermind behind the Underworld movies. But he really seemed to have like this pretty cohesive universe in place there. So I always thought that was really impressive, too, you know. Sure. Um, uh, Your pick, man. Yeah, you're right. Going back to back to my first pick. So the first one I went with, um, this pick probably should be higher on my list. And I feel like this is a pick that would be a lot of people's number one pick. Um, This is probably I put it lower on the list just because I don't necessarily know as much about this character as a lot of other people do. Um, But I do. This is one of my favorite action protagonists. And uh, that's Laura Croft. Um, she's a character who's been around since like I was first aware of her, like during the sort of like PlayStation one era of like the late nineties and early two thousands. And, uh, Laura Croft has really cemented her place in the pop culture world so well. Like it's crazy that this, you know, this like low polygon video game from like the late nineties or whatever, this character is still so prevalent nowadays. And uh, this is a character who it's, it's hard for me to say what's my favorite version. You know, do you prefer like the old school video game version? Do you like the more like rebooted uh, video game version? And then also going into the realm of uh, films, you know, do you like, uh, did you like the Angelina Jolie version? 
of that character or did you like the Alicia Vikander version uh, in the most recent Tomb Raider movie? I personally, I was a huge fan of that newest Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander. I thought that movie was really well done and it's just like really cool. I think it's just one of those movies that you watch and it's put together so well. I do like the Angelina Jolie film, but I feel like that one does have some, you know, sort of like 2000s era movie tropes in it that don't age super well. And that's what I love about the Alicia Vikander movie is that you can take every part of the movie so serious. And I know there's like this online debate always about like, is old Laura better than new Laura and where everybody sits on that. Um, but that's kind of where I, uh, I guess I, I kind of like the rebooted version as far as the movies go. For the video games, I'd probably go with the uh, the older version. So, yeah. So, Lara Croft, for me, for a long time, was just the video games. And I thought the character was really cool. And I played a couple of the games, and I'm with it. Um, the Angelina Jolie films, I felt, were a product I, where the movie failed for me was it became kind of a product of the time. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it was like at a time where they were, I feel like they pumped it out more than anything. Um, so I never really liked the Angelina Jolie films. I mean, they were okay. And like, I played enough of the games to go, oh, you you know, you did a good job putting that together on screen. But it was still like a product for the time period. The Alicia Vikander film, I thought, was fantastic. It right, right. It really was. I had so much fun watching that movie as an action hero. Um she was like she get like she's like the diehard of female characters. Um, she's the she's your your female John McClane, if you will. Um, the way she gets beaten up in that film, the way she keeps get she gets knocked down, gets back up. It's it's incredible to watch, but it's also like it's intense and harrowing and it's crazy. Um, like I love that airplane sequence. Like there's so much like that they did to get it right. To where the visuals really matched the game. I thought it was great. Um, and I really think Alicia Vikander needs to get back on the saddle. And they need to get a Tomb Raider 2 out. But I doubt we're ever going to get it. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my two cents there. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to like just fall silent with that last thing you said. But it's just kind of like, yeah, it sucks. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But. um. But yeah, so Lara Croft, unfortunately, we didn't match because it made my short list. Um, but the, the my next pick on the list is a comic book pick. It's not a superhero, surprise, surprise. It's Abby Chase, Danger Girl herself. Nice. Um, if you've never read Danger Girl, this is an independent film. Uh, Top Cow Comics. Top Cow? Cliffhanger Comics? I'm sorry. Cliffhanger Comics. So it's an independent one. Um, this... Uh, this is like, I guess the best way to describe it would be is if you took the Charlie's Angels team and had a retired James Bond train them to be spies. Um, it's bonkers. It's wild. It's funny. It's meant to be a comedy. It's meant to be a comedy. It's meant to make fun of the spy genre. It's meant to make fun of the superhero genre. It's meant to like make fun of like the Indiana Jones adventure genre. It's meant to just have fun and be a, this cool thing. Uh, but Abby Chase, the lead character, um, she is she's relentless and fantastic and action packed and nothing holds her down. And she's determined. And 
Um, she got these great character moments, and then she got these funny character moments. And like when I read the book the first time, it was very clear what I was reading, and it was clearly like, oh, this is meant to be funny, but they're taking it seriously, and they're you know they know what it is, they know the assignment, and uh, it's really well put together. Um, I have, I think I have the first six issues of the book. I don't have the full first set of the entire, the first arc. It's the first story arc. And I wanted to collect them all because I have the trade. I have a hardcover trade and I have the uh, first like six. Um, I got to, I got J. Scott Campbell uh, uh, signed a couple of the issues and he signed my hardcover trade. And I asked him, I said, I, I heard the guy say you're not allowed to do sketches, but is there any chance you could do a quick Abby Chase, like right inside the cover? And he did this really gorgeous, like nice little Abby Chase, like profile awesome. right in the cover there. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I, I, I always thought she was fun. So if you get a chance, check it out. I think it's a fun book. It's probably dated because of the, you know, it was, it was written in the early 2000s. So it's probably dated in terms of some of the humor and stuff, but um i thought it was fun and the artwork's fantastic so yeah this is this is a great pick um she didn't make my list but i know drew you're a bigger fan of uh this series than i am but i do think danger girl's really awesome and uh no that's just so cool like i'm assuming that when you got that uh when j scott campbell signed uh your trade and you got that sketch from him i'm assuming that was like probably a while back so this might have been in a world before smartphones and stuff but you just telling that story i'm just like oh man i wish i could have been there just to see him do that sketch you know just to see see how he put it together really quick and stuff but j scott campbell as a creator um i've never met him but my impression of him just from following his art online and stuff like that is that he just seems like a really cool like down-to-earth sort of guy and uh that's just really awesome that you had that experience with him you know yep um agreed and he was he was gracious with his time and he kind of like looked over his shoulder before he did the sketch too and then just did it real fast and i was like dude you're the you're the best <laughs> that's <laughs> it was the guy the, it was like him and like several other like it was like a panel of people signing and like i didn't have to like go to the other people i literally was in line for chase scott campbell and yeah. I got up to him and right as I got up to him, the guy goes, don't ask for sketches. Nobody asked for, we're not doing sketches, you know? And you're just like, all right, dude, I just really was going to ask you to do a quick one. He's like, no, I got you. And he's did this little quick profile on the inside cover. So that's great. That's, that is awesome. Um, all right, man, what do you got for me? Uh, yeah, so I've got another one um, from the comic book world, but uh, I actually know her more from uh, the movie world, and that is uh, Hit Girl from uh, ah. Kick. Um, so yeah, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, her version of this character uh, in the Kick-Ass movie, she was, you watch the first Kick-Ass movie, and it's, there is no doubt that she is the most badass and most capable character in that movie, and it's just so awesome, because you have this, this girl, because of uh, who her dad was, and how she was raised and stuff, she was raised to be, like, the ultimate superhero sidekick sort of thing, and uh, by the time you get to the end of the film, and some of those final um, fight scenes like especially uh, there's a great hallway fight scene with her at the end of the film you really get to see her prowess and like how good she is with um you know hand-to-hand -hand combat uh, you know 
gun combat, uh, you know, the combination of the two. And it's just really cool to see. And uh, sometimes you watch it, you know, at some parts you're like, I don't know if that's realistic. But then you're also like, well, if this girl has been training since she was able to like walk <laughs> to be able to do some of this stuff, maybe it is realistic. So uh, she's just a badass character. Um, I like that she's one of those characters who's like super serious all the time, but also has some of the funniest parts of the movie just because she plays her character that well. So, um, yeah, Hit Girl's awesome. So, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> what struck me, what, what really struck me about Hit Girl was um, that the sections of the film where the sections of the film where it was just like this 12 year old girl, like murdering people. Right. <laughs> like, like she was really sassy and sarcastic and she had that spunk and all that stuff. And you're just like, all right, this girl's cool. And then there's the sequence where you see her in action and she is just beating the hell out of these guys and murdering people. And yeah. you're just like, Whoa, like you knew the film was what it was before you got to that point. But then it was like, when she you got to really see her in action was for me kind of like when the movie took a turn and it became like an okay superhero movie to this is fantastic what is happening here and like you sit up straighter and you're just like all right what's going on (laughs) um yeah yeah, i thought hit girl was great um (laughs) i did like her character and story better in the first film than the sequel but um i just I, i think there was I I don't think that was the actress's fault. I think that was more on the the writing. I liked better for yeah. that first film. So yeah, the sequel it was fun, but the first one's definitely way better. And there's a lot that came into place. I think they changed directors between the movies, and I think with a character like Hit Girl, like with everything that. Once the events of the first film were all said and done, I think they were just kind of like, well, we have to do something with this character. And they kind of gave her her different plot and stuff in the second movie. But I just I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think her character um, and the movie as a whole was a lot better for the first one. But uh, it is what it is. Um, I yeah. feel like I heard they're doing a third one, too, or that's in the works. So that's pretty exciting. So sure. Sure. And I actually don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I just saw something online about it the other day. I can't remember oh, exactly. Okay. Though, so <laughs> where am I at? All right. So my next one, that one, that one, I'm going to go with uh, Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy seven. Oh, good call. Um, digging into a video game poll here. Um, Tifa Lockhart. Uh, I guess you could say she's the love interest. Um, that's a way of wording it, I guess. Um, she is, uh, I look, you want her to be the girlfriend, but she's like the everybody girlfriend, if you will. Um, she is a, she's on your party. She's one of the fighters. She's, um, the girl next door. She runs the bar. She's literally like when you meet her in the game, she's like every character you want her to like, she's every girl you want in your life. And then she's a badass on top of it as well. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, and if you don't play, if you don't play Final Fantasy VII, because she's only in Final Fantasy VII, she makes an appearance in the Kingdom Hearts games. If you don't want to play Final Fantasy VII, you can kind of jump ahead and watch the um, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children straight to DVD movie. It's computer generated graphics, but it's on par with the game. 
Um, and it's gorgeous, but it really shows you a good glimpse of like how much of a badass she is. But then on top of it, it also gives you a good glimpse of um, her as just this like really great like person. Yeah. And just how much her care, how cool her character really is. Um, but yeah, Tifa Lockhart and yeah, she's great. Yeah. And I think, um, no, this is a good call. And just to comment on Advent Children, I feel like that movie holds up decently well. And I think it's because, or part of it is because of how detailed the animation is in that film. Like, the Final Fantasy films like that one, as well as um, Spirits Within, are known for just having extreme detail as far as the character models go. Yep. Like, I think it's uh, Spirits Within had, like, some crazy record for, like, the amount of time that people spent animating strands of hair on the different characters. <laughs> and that sort of thing just kind of points out, like, the amount of detail they put into these Final Fantasy films. And this yeah. is a that came out in like I want to say like 2006 or something but I think because of that I sort believe. of went to it it holds up you know so uh Final Fantasy 7 Advent Children was like a 2006 release uh Spirits Within came out much earlier I want to say like late 90s so I know that that record on the animation of hair has been definitely broken um and uh then they also released another film Final Fantasy 15 uh, Kingsglaive. Now, if you don't know the Final Fantasy series, every game is isolated on its own. They're not connected in any way, except for a couple. Like, they have 10, and they have 10 too. Okay, so those are directly connected to each other. But all the games are, like, very separate and isolated. So, like, if you play Final Fantasy 15, you're going to get a story, and it's going to be very on its own. And then you go play Final Fantasy 7, and you get a completely different story, new characters, completely on its own. There's no sequelization or anything like that, the way you'd think. It's more of an anthology game series, if you will. Um, so the same goes with the movie. So if you watch Spirits Within or Advent Children or Kingsglaive, they're going to be all separate and it's on its own. But Kingsglaive is uh, early, so it's like very current because Final Fantasy fifteen hasn't been out for more for ten years yet. So it's been out, you know, um, it's still fairly new. That the animation and that one's great as well. So nice, nice, yeah. Anyway, uh, what goes, what do you got next? Yeah, um, I guess I'll keep the video game train rolling. Um, well, kind of. <laughs> so this is a character from a video game movie who's not necessarily from a game, but I went with uh, Alice from Resident Evil, uh, Mila Jovovich's character from the Resident Evil movies. It's funny because, yeah, originally I'm like, let's keep the video game train going and i'm pretty sure she was just a character in the movies right like she was never in the games but uh no resident evil um i've said it a lot of times i i really like um the first movie and i think some of the uh preceding movies from there are pretty good but i think it's a the first one especially is a movie that i think is a really great sort of like sci-fi like i guess or more like yeah sci-fi action horror action however you want to phrase it it's a really great movie in that genre you just can't you just can't compare it to the games too closely like if you're going to sit there and nitpick like oh they did this wrong and they should have done this this way and this isn't like the game i think you're going to hate it but if you just watch it and just accept it as its own thing 
I think it's a really good movie, and uh, that's why I picked. Uh, that's why I went with this pick. I think Alice is a really cool character. She's a really cool protagonist of this movie. And one of my favorite parts is of the whole thing of her story is the amount of mystery that's going on with her. How she's like really confused. She doesn't really know her origin. She doesn't know why she has these sort of physical enhancements about her. And it's revealed in a series of flashbacks throughout the film. And uh, that's one of my favorite parts of it, too, is just that mystery that goes into the story in the first film. So, uh, yeah, Alice, I feel like we've talked about these movies quite a bit, though, so I don't want to drone on too much. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew. I don't know if we matched. I know you're a fan of these movies as well. So, um, I We didn't match on this. She definitely made my short list. But I I thought Alice was great, and her character only got more badass as it went more and more and more as she went along. But she is also um, – I thought her, char- her best – she was the best in that first film. Yeah. Really. And, like, I, I – you could just watch that first film. You like, I know it cliff hangs into the, where's it going to go next? But it's a zombie film. And we ask that question to all zombie films. Where is it going to go next? If you just take the first film by itself, it's just fantastic. But I've liked Alice from the beginning. And I know I brought Alice up when we were, um, fairly recently. Um, our Halloween episode, our Halloween episode. I brought up Alice. Um, yeah, she was my honorable mention as I scroll back on our big master spreadsheet list. Um, but yeah, so Alice, all right. Um, the <laughs> next one on my list, um, is I'm going on a book route. Um, and that is, uh, Katniss Everdeen from the Hunger Games. Oh, nice. Awesome. Um, this, this was that thing where, uh, so Jennifer Lawrence, we are listening. We, we know you're listening, but now we're going to talk about your movies for a minute. Um, <laughs> she, um, so I, the, the concept of the movie caught my attention. The concept of the story caught my attention. I'm like, well, I want to go see this movie. I want to check it out. I was like, mm, I kind of want to read the book. And I didn't know if I was going to have time to read the book before. So I was, in my honest opinion, at the time I was more of a, I'll just watch the movie and then read the book afterwards. Kind of like I did with Jurassic Park. Well, then for Christmas, cause I didn't get it. The movie was coming out. I think I want to say springtime or whatever. So for Christmas, I got the uh three book cycle like as a gift right and i was like awesome so i started the first book i'm like i'm gonna get the first book done before i see the movie i was like in the middle of the third book by the time that movie the first movie came out and i'm like this is the best series ever like i was devouring those books i could not stop reading them they were so fantastic um, and then I watched the movie and was really impressed with jennifer lawrence's performance because the movies themselves the books themselves, it's all first person, inner monologue, you know, that kind of stuff. And if you watch Jennifer Lawrence's performance, you can see the internalization. She did such a nice job of just conveying the emotion as she went through. Um, and then it just she became more and more of a badass as she went and she got um, and, you know, as the series went on and so on and so on. It was just really, really good. And I really enjoyed her character. And then bizarrely, as you pick this list to do. All week long, Hunger Games has been running on television. Uh, <laughs> like it's awesome. like a Hunger Games marathon on Sci-Fi Channel, like all week. And I'm like, is this like this is weird? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, 
I, I I really like the Hunger Games movies. Uh, I haven't read the books, but I do. I did have a lot of friends who told me that the when the first movie came out, they said that the movie is just so much better if you did read the book because I know there was things within the movie like how um you'd have the characters from Dis- District Twelve or whatever would hold up like their three fingers and it was like this sort of sign of protest, but the movie. Yeah doesn't really explain that but that's like a detail from what I've heard it's like that's a detail that's explored a lot further in the books and so that's what I got a lot of is just like the movie's great but if you read the books it's actually like way better um I didn't know if you were going to say anything there I didn't mean to cut you off no you're totally fine but yeah this uh the the I think the books are fun they're so good man and if you liked the movies I think you should really watch them like there's a sequence with like at the end of the first film there's like the dogs or whatever yeah, that are like attacking. But when you find out if you, when you read the book and you find out what the dogs really are, it's like, whoa, that's kind of dark, um, which was not covered the way, in my opinion, it should have been covered. <laughs> so, yeah, you uh, you should definitely check out uh, uh, the books if you can. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. And uh, oh, also, I just did want to mention, like, I did bring up that Jennifer Lawrence comment earlier and I didn't necessarily mean it to like I already said like I didn't want to disparage her it was more to like point out that like this topic of just like badass female action protagonists is something that's in the cultural zetgeist and I feel like you see this debated a lot online so that's part of why I wanted to bring that up but no I love these movies and yeah Jennifer Lawrence is an awesome actress of course but uh yeah I can move into my next pick if you want yeah go ahead cool so my next one is a character that we've talked about a ton about before, so I don't have to go on and on too much. But uh, I went with uh, Beatrix Kiddo, uh, Uma Thurman's character from the Kill Bill volume one and two movies. And uh, I mean, when it comes to action protagonists, this character is just she's so awesome. She's an awesome martial artist. She has like a really cool tragic sort of revenge story. Um, I do like her as a character because Yes, she's the char- she's the protagonist of her movie, but is she a hero? Like, sort of, but she's also more, it's more of a tale of, a, of revenge as opposed to a tale of her trying to, like, you know, save somebody or stop some bad thing from happening. It's more just like, I have to kill Bill. So I don't know if she counts for this list or not, but I had to go with her. Like, she's such a such a classic iconic pick um so yeah i don't know drew i don't know if you have any i think she totally accounts for this list and she's probably one of the biggest badasses out there in terms of female action stars um and you know that (laughs) the battle in the house of the blue leaves is that what it's called the battle of the house of the blue leaves i think that's the (laughs) segment of the film uh, (laughs) where she battles the crazy 88s it's yeah yeah yeah. that's it I it's so amazing like it's such a great action sequence and she battles a Ren you know and then you get to see where she learned her sword fighting skills and all that stuff yeah fantastic pick um she made my short list um for sure oh, uh, surprised. Bill, you're surprised I know Kill Bill is like one of is my favorite of the Tarantino films um just because of the unique nature of what it is um yeah. but yeah no I I love Beatrix Kiddo such a great pull there um. That does move me in my final pick. I know I said she's on my short list, but I went with Ahsoka Tano uh, for my final pick of the night. Okay, uh, there you go. Yeah, so, and I'm going to say, I'm going to draw a line. And I look, I think Rosario Dawson did a great job, and I think the show Ahsoka was fantastic. However, 
I fell in love with Clone Wars Ahsoka on a big bad way. And she's she's literally she very quickly, like in a realm of not knowing what to make of this 14 year old snotty, smart ass, you know, character. She was a badass in her own right, just in terms of combat skills, action sequences, all that stuff. But not knowing what to make of her in 2008 when we got introduced to her. And the Internet kind of like Ahsoka is the worst. As you grew with this character, she became better and better. And she like fast tracked, in my opinion, to probably one of my favorite Star Wars characters of all time. And we've only had her since 2008. You know, um, so it's only been like, you know, a hand like I still feel like a handful of years since we've gotten this character. Um, so like what, 15, 13 years? kind of crazy when you put it that way when you put it that way it's like we've only had ahsoka around for 13 years compared to like luke skywalker we just have for 40 plus but she's fastly she's very quickly become one of my favorite star wars characters of all times but she's such a fantastic fantastic character she has more of a character journey than i think like she's gotten more screen time than i think any of the main Star Wars characters, the mains and toys that we all know and love from our childhoods, the original trilogy cast, all of it, um, because of her tenure in the Clone Wars to Rebels to her own show. Um, but yeah, she is an absolute badass. And watch her wielding a lightsaber, watching the action sequence she's in, and then throw in the uh, political intrigue of how smart she is and how she like manipulate, like how she learned how to play the political game too. You know. Um, She's yeah. one of those unique characters who, like you said, we were introduced to her in uh, 2008. And, uh, you know, in that first Clone Wars movie, she was, I don't know if she was, a, I don't know if she was 12 or if she was an early teenager or something, but you literally watched her from like early adolescence. And then you've seen every stage of her life throughout the Star Wars shows and, uh, it's really cool to have a character like that where you've seen like their like <laughs> almost their full life life cycle. You know what I mean? You don't get mm-hmm. that often. So uh, super unique situation there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. my final pick of the night. What do you got? Yeah. Good call with Ahsoka. That's definitely a really good one. So I went with one, which I'm also, I'm kind of surprised we didn't match on. And uh, Drew, this is something, somebody you thought of during our Halloween episode that uh, I kind of forgot then, but uh, I'm mentioning her now. And that is uh, Ellen Ripley from the Alien movies. This is Sigourney Weaver's character, of course. And uh, Alien, it's kind of weird because it's like the first movie is like a gothic horror movie in space. So I don't know if it counts for this list, but then you go into Aliens, the second film, is a total action film. Like it's a sci-fi action where you have you have the Marines shooting down aliens, and uh, it's just so it's such a badass blend of those genres. But uh, Ellen Ripley, when it comes to just badass female action stars, I feel like Sigourney Weaver's performance in this role. Like she's on the Mount Rushmore of this kind of character. I keep using that analogy, but it just works so perfectly. You know, she's one of the first people that you think of when it comes to this sort of character. And uh, no, I mean, I think her story and like her performance in this these movies 
is just so good where you have her and she starts out and she was always military. So you knew she had like that badass level to her. But when you see the events of uh, aliens and how that all plays out and uh, by the time the end comes when she literally fights off this giant queen alien, it's just like she's so badass. And I love Drew, you mentioned this a little bit on the Halloween episode, but I also love that like after the first movie, she's such the voice of reason. Like in Aliens, you see it so much where it's like she doesn't want to engage with the Xenomorph. She doesn't want to be fighting off aliens. She's trying to, you know, convince uh, Paul Reiser's character that he's doing everything wrong and nobody really wants to listen to her. But, uh, you know, she's going to have to swoop in and save the day at the end, for lack of a better term. But uh, no, this is a badass character. And like I said, she's like one of the most iconic characters you could go with for this list. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts, Drew, but uh, yeah, Ellen Ripley, that's, that's well, just, I mean it's she's this this is that survivor thing uh when you just look at the first film she's the one who kind of was like where everyone was like in the state of panic even though yeah. she was she had that state of calm where she's like all right how do i deal with this thing how do i get it off the ship how do i protect myself okay it doesn't like that okay let's let's we'll use this weapon okay it doesn't like that we'll okay that works for me too all right let's lure it to the airlock all right let's get in this thing so i can not get sucked out the door with it okay how do i you know she was so methodical on how she dealt with the first film yeah when you get to the second film it's just straight you guys are morons i know everything you guys need to shut up and listen to me i know how to take care of this and no one's listening to her because they're doing the war marines and we know better than you <laughs> but it's very quickly like because hicks learned real quick she knows what she's talking about we got to listen to her you know um, you know, you brought this, you, you guys, you brought her along as a consultant. So let's see what she's got to say. Um, and, you know, get to that fight with the alien queen at the end, man. Like, um, what's that line? Stay away from her bitch or whatever. <laughs> like, like, what was that line? Um, crap. It's when she calls the queen alien a bitch at the end of the movie. It's great. No, I, I... She's in the. Cause she's in the robot mech uh, for, uh, forklift kind of a thing, like trying to fight off the alien. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I remember that line, but all I remember is the bitch part, but uh, I know no, that's, that's, that's just such a classic. part is we all, we, we definitely will remember the bitch part of the line. <laughs> um, but good call on this one. Uh, good pick in general. Um, so yeah, um, that does bring us to the end of this uh, list. Um, so next week, Peter, is my pick. Um, it is Thanksgiving week. Um, so Peter and I are going to record a little bit early, so it might make news a little light, but we're going to record a little bit early just so for those of you driving on Thanksgiving or driving family, traveling around, you will have something to listen to in the car. Um, it'll drop the Monday after. So if you have any plans back or you just needed, um, stuff to listen to, while you're trying to get your life back together at work from the long weekend, that works too. Um, Peter and I are going to talk about, and this is something I realized, um, in the realm of action stuff, we've talked about pop culture. So we've talked about action movies from the, um, at, we talked about action movies, talked about female action uh, heroes. We've talked about pop culture vehicles, you know, the Batmobile, the Ecto-1, the DeLorean, that kind of stuff. But you know what we've never talked about is iconic weaponry from films, video games, television, comic books, so on and so on. Um, if you say guns, that's a little too broad. 
But like Captain America Shields, an iconic weapon. The lightsaber is an iconic weapon. Thor's hammer is an iconic weapon. So our five favorite iconic weapons. And I'm letting you open this up because there's some really cool anime weapons out there. There's some really cool video game weapons out there. But as anybody was talking about the reason why we like them and the reason why we're drawn to them and stuff. And, you know, did they change the face, the landscape of things um, in the realm of <laughs> uh, fantasy and storytelling and so on. So that was just what I was thinking about. So. This is a cool list. Um, this is a list that I have kind of been thinking about as well, <laughs> to be honest. Like I have like my short list of lists that I haven't used. So I, I always did think that this would be a fun one to use to go with. Um, so I'm excited about it. Well, I'm glad like, I beat you to it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I always felt like we might have kind of done this, but I don't think we did. It's just one of those lists you you would have thought we would have talked about at this point. But uh, no, this be really fun to put together so uh good call yeah all right so are you ready to toss this one in the can and call it a night yeah let's do it all right everybody do us a favor check out our website top five report.com there are fun links to our social media along with our email top five report at gmail.com you can hit us up either place works uh we are on apple podcasts iHeartRadio, google play stitcher uh amazon audible in those places you can uh, subscribe to us if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be reminding everyone to remember to wear their Thanksgiving pants. <laughs> Yes, everyone, wear your Thanksgiving pants and enjoy the food. Um, <laughs> for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.